Welcome, everyone, to Force of Nature Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew D. Hamilton, and I'm here with my co-host, David Botcher. Terrific. This week, we have our second edition of Celebrity Animals. Roll out the red carpet, Dave. We're going to need it. <laughs> oh, they're looking lovely today. <laughs> we have uh, several great stories of famous animals. Many of them are actors. Oh, hey. But we have Bart the Bear... Uh, Rin Tin Tin, Keiko, hey. uh, the Orca from Free Willy, and several others. Uh, they all have great stories, so it's going to be a fun-filled episode. Right on. We hope everyone enjoyed last week's episode on other celebrity animals. Last week we had Terrible Ted, the pro-wrestling bear. We <laughs> talked about Bubbles, the uh, chimp that was owned by yeah. Michael Jackson. And we also covered the cool story of Balto. Yeah. So go back and check it out if you haven't yet. I like that terrible Ted. Yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, Dave, it's been a very strange week since our last episode, yeah. to say the least. Yeah. The world is in quarantine and social distancing. We aren't exactly following that, as we're like two feet away from each other right now. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's a crazy week for everyone. Yeah. It really is. And on top of that, we got things got a bit shaky here in Salt Lake City yesterday. Oh, nice pun, Yeah, man. that was a good pun. So yesterday, I woke up to feeling the largest earthquake I've ever felt. <laughs> we had a 5.7 earthquake here. I uh, happened about 10 miles from Salt Lake City. And I don't live in Salt Lake City. I live about 30 miles north. But yeah, I, it, woke, it woke my ass up. It was <laughs> the best alarm clock I've ever had. Yeah. What, what happened to you? Uh, yeah, it? yeah. It woke me up. Did it wake you up Yeah, too? it was right at 7 o'clock. Yeah, just after 7 o'clock. Yeah. So it woke me up. I was like, oh, boy. So I get out because um, we have a fan above our above our bed. So it was shaking. Was it shaking? So <laughs> I heard him got out. So it wouldn't fall on me if it was going to. But nothing fell. We had a, no. we had one thing fall off the wall. That was it. You know. Didn't your kids sleep through it? Uh, yeah. So Cade was, uh, he's like, yeah, he slept through it. And we're like, Cade, did you feel that? He's like, yeah, well, yeah. But at first I thought it was mom just trying to wake me up and then i was like well she wouldn't shake me that much so then he woke up and was like what's going on <laughs> what a weirdo yeah and then it got kylie she's like what was that that scared the crap out of me and kaylee slept through it she's too well she she said she felt it but she was too tired so she just went back to sleep <laughs> now, i'm a deep sleeper too but man that woke me up <laughs> that's and about your bedtime I, isn't it <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> i felt uh several aftershocks as well yeah there was one that was a four point six yeah i i remember feeling that one so yeah add an earthquake to a pandemic yeah it was a very strange day yesterday it was for us. yeah stranger than it has been in the last week yeah it sure took the uh we, we were tired of hearing all the coronavirus on the news so <laughs> yeah, kinda, so, yeah but we, then it went to earthquake we got a relief from after one day we're like gosh stop with the earthquake we heard <laughs> It lasted 20 seconds. They're dragging <laughs> yeah. it out. Yeah, from what I know, nobody got hurt here, so that's good. Some buildings were damaged, but that seems to be it. Yeah, it was. they were damaged in magnet. They were old. Older the old, buildings. Uh, old brick buildings. Yeah, just block. Yeah, yeah. People, on, people in California are like, oh, yeah, well, that happens all the time yeah, here. Welcome to our world, yeah. dude. <laughs> it doesn't happen here. That's the largest yeah. one I've ever felt. I felt one when we were in Hollister. Um, it actually felt about the same strength mm -hmm. as this one, but... At Hollister, I was closer to the point. So I was looking on the on the uh, um, uh, what do you what do you call the seismic map, and from the epicenter in Magna at a five point seven, where we were in Bountiful, it was more like a three seven three five is what we mm -hmm. felt. So that's kind of and that's about what I felt when I was in uh, 
in California okay. at, a, at a three and a half, mm. almost four. Or was it a four? I think it was a four in, in California. That was the first one because that's weird. You, the you never, yeah, you you know what happens, but it's you have to experience it to know what it's really like because yeah. it's it's a it's weird. It starts with a rumble and it just grows, and you're like, what is going on? And it keeps growing. So that's what's scary. Is you're like. I don't know when it's going to stop. No. And it doesn't just like get to one thing and stay there. It grows and you're like, holy crap. And then finally, woo, then it goes back down. Yeah, so, it was strange. Yeah. Uh, the, so the longer it lasts, that means it's going to go high because yeah, it just, bigger. it'll slowly get up really high. You know, and if it took 15 seconds to get that high, it's going to take 15 seconds to go back down. Yeah. It's really weird. Yeah. It was honestly kind of, I mean, I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed the earthquake, <laughs> but uh, I'm glad to be here in the studio to do this now. So we are also joined in the studio once again by Professor Cheetor. How you doing, Professor? Well, hello, gentlemen. I uh, just want to let you know that I have never felt better in my entire life. I feel tremendous. <coughs> uh, feeling great. Thank you. Whoa, hey. You uh, you doing okay there, buddy? You're coughing a little bit. Yeah. Scooting over yeah, a bit. Well, about six, six feet there, Professor. Six yeah. feet. <laughs> uh, as always, we want to thank all the listeners for tuning in to us. We hope everyone else is doing good and inside their homes uh that's i mean I, we hope everyone is uh, and if you enjoy the show something you can do to contribute is go to itunes apple Podcasts, whatever platform you use give us a review give us five stars just say something you like about the show it really doesn't matter but all it really does is help us gain more attention and gain more listeners it, they reviews mean more than you think so please go ahead and do that for us you really have no excuse because you have all the time in the world right now yeah <laughs> But Dave, what do you say we get going with our first celebrity? Let's do it. And like last week, it's a bear. We're going to start out with a bear. But this bear is not a pro wrestler. This bear is a movie star. Ooh. This is Bert the Bear. Nice. And he's a, he, he is quite famous, as we will find out. Does he know how to say, don't have a cow, man? What? <laughs> you know, Bart Simpson. Oh, but he's I, a bear. I did not get that reference. Oh, okay. Never mind. Let's continue. <laughs> Bart is an Alaskan Kodiak brown bear. He was born at the Baltimore Zoo on January 19th, 1977. And when Bart was five weeks old and only five pounds, he was adopted. He was adopted by a couple named Doug and Lynn Seuss. S-E-U-S. That's the huh. last name. They worked as animal trainers on films. So Doug and Lynn have been animal trainers for over 40 years and dedicated their lives to developing new and innovative programs for the raising, training, and treatment of different animals. Okay. Uh, Doug and Lynn raised Bart and made him part of the family. And they actually lived just in uh, Heber City. Oh, wow. Uh, Heber City is right next to Park City. And it's only about it's less than an hour from Salt Lake City here. Yeah, around there. Yeah. yeah. But once Bart reached adulthood, he grew to be nine foot six. Wow. And weighed 1,500 pounds. Wow. Well, he has a Kodiak. Bear. Yeah. The Kodiaks are one of the biggest subspecies. Yeah. Like the he's bear. like the John Wayne of bears, I guess, you know? <laughs> you, that is a very interesting quote because that oh, exact yeah? quote comes up later. Oh, wow. Did you have some foreshadowing or something? No. It just made sense. Well, it's going to make more sense because wow. somebody says that exact thing about it. Oh, wow. Wow, Dave. Look at you. 
But yes, he is a big boy, and there's plenty of videos on YouTube if anyone wants to look him up. Uh, it's it's actually cool to see how, how big he really is and oh, to see yeah. him just interacting with the, his trainers, just licking their faces and playing with them. <laughs> but yes, he was trained to be a performer. Bart started his acting career with his debut film, Windwalker, in 1981. He was in he was in some big films too that we'll go over. But Bart got his breakout role while starring in the 1988 French film called The Bear. Hmm. The film is about a young orphaned bear cub who befriends an adult grizzly as two hunters pursue them in the wild. Ooh. Spoiler alert, the bears live through the whole thing. Yeah. But uh, apparently there were 50 bear actors who auditioned for the role. <laughs> How that works out, I don't know. If they, I'm pretty sure they didn't just line up 50 bears like they do for us when we're doing yeah. auditions. Slate your name. Like, Bart, you're next. What agency you're with. <laughs> uh, Can you try and do that a little more dramatic, please? Yeah. But in order to perform the role, Bart was trained to learn several new behaviors, including... Uh, or yeah, several new behaviors that going against his natural ways. So he's uh, he had to learn how to uh, uh, be with the cub bear because they used a real cub bear. And so oh, okay. They, uh, you know, a male adult brown bear doesn't really hang out with cubs that yeah. much. So they they taught him how to do that. So Ooh. it's pretty cool. It's safe to say that Bart probably has more acting range than I do, but. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not you, Dave, but probably me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a one-trick pony over no, here. No, he's probably got more than me, too. Uh, everyone was very impressed with Bart, with his performance, and the film was a big hit, winning several French awards, and it has a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. The bear, yeah. Apparently, there's not much dialogue. It's They follow the the uh, the bears, and there's a few hunters in there. Well, that's because bears don't speak, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks, Dave. I'm just kidding. But yeah, so apparently it's a really good film. And then Bart was in many more films and TV shows throughout the 80s and 90s. I'll, I'll go over some. He was the bear in The Great Outdoors. Oh, yeah? With John, John Candy, Candy and Dan Aykroyd, which, <laughs> nice. which is a really good movie. Nice. He was also in The Clan of the Cave Bear in Lost in, Lost in the Barrens, White Fang, Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey. Remember hey, that one? Yeah. I, I loved that movie as a kid. Yeah. He's also in Walking Thunder, Meet the Deedles, Twelve Monkeys. Ooh. Um, he was in Legends of the Fall. Oh, okay. With the Brad Pitt movie. Yeah. Okay, so which I got to say, I watched this movie like two years ago. It's a good movie, but Brad Pitt's character is the biggest asshole on the planet. <laughs> do, you, do you remember the movie? It was a time period when Brad Pitt played Brad Pitt, you know? But he's just, I don't mind just Brad, him. I don't he's mind Brad mo- Pitt, but his character was... It was just, I'd say emotionless, but you kind of get stuff out of him. But it's like every emotion for him, he looks the exact same. Does that make sense? So it's like, okay, okay. But it's a good movie. It's a good movie, but his character is such a asshole he pretty much ruined everyone's life in the movie seriously he did huh well uh... his brother his brother uh he took off and he was dating a girl and then his brother married her and then she, he came back and then she shot herself because she loved him not her not his brother <laughs> and then he marries the really like 17 year old indian girl uh, he, he's just a scumbag in that movie uh... 
But luckily, Bart kills him in the end. <laughs> if you remember, do you remember that? No. Yeah, in the very end, him and a bear have a fight, and oh, then it okay. signs off. And you kind of don't know, but I think I'm pretty sure he, Bart kills him. Okay. In so that's good. Brad Pitt was an <laughs> asshole in there. Uh, anyway, uh, Bart is also famous for his role in the film The Edge. What's that one? Uh, that, that's, it's really good. I watched it not, not a couple months ago. It has Anthony Hopkins, who... Was also in Legends of the Fall and Alec Baldwin. Hmm. It's 1997. Huh. They're in Alaska. There's a helicopter crash, and Baldwin and Hopkins have to survive together. Yeah, I don't think I've seen that one. Well, Bart plays the grizzly that attacks them, Ooh. and Anthony Hopkins impales Bart with a spear Ooh. and kills him in a very good scene, actually. Ooh, death scenes. Those are the best. And look, he's going to fake him then, I guess. He's very good. <laughs> but uh, Anthony Hopkins, who did scenes with Bart, really admired Bart. He said he would just sit and watch Bart sometimes, and he, he really respected Bart as a fellow actor and treated that him as such. is unusual for Anthony Hopkins. I don't know. Oh, yeah. he would. If you were not a good actor, he did not want to work with you. Well, apparently he really enjoyed wow. Bart. Apparently Bart was, an, was a, a true thespian. He, <laughs> wow. And uh, Bart starred with many other big actors over the years, including Robert Redford, Morgan oh, did he, was that in uh, uh, Jeremiah Johnson? I don't know. I, oh, I, I okay. didn't. I didn't. I didn't write them all down. But oh. Possibly. And then uh, Morgan Freeman, John Candy, Dan Aykroyd, Daryl Hannah, Annette ben, uh, Annette Baring, Ethan Hawke, Steven Seagal, Brad Pitt, Alec Baldwin, and Anthony Hopkins. Huh. Those are that's uh, those are good. Uh, it's a good company right there yeah. for the acting. Yeah. And the well here, Dave, the director of The Edge. Called Bart the John Wayne of Bears. <laughs> nice. So good job on you for that. Nice. I wonder if he had a saddle walk. You know? <laughs> so the director of Legends of the Fall, Ed Zwick, Z-W-I-C-K, that's a weird huh. name, uh, had this story to say about Bart. Okay. Of all the movie stars I've ever worked with, Bart the Bear is as talented, cooperative, and charismatic as the best of them. Wow. He takes no time at all in makeup. <laughs> Uh, never wants to stay in his trailer and does all his own stunts. Nice. <laughs> I can't wait to work with him again. That's so awesome. That's, he's getting high praise. Makes you feel like he needs an Emmy, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, in actually, in 1998, Bart made an appearance at the Academy Awards. Oh. He co-presented with Mike Myers. <laughs> nice. Like, Bart had the envelope. Oh, nice. Mike Myers, he didn't. Uh, there, you can watch it on YouTube. Oh, but okay. Mike Myers was too scared to go grab the envelope, for him, so the trainer had to grab it. But That's yeah, funny. he was a part of it. Nice. And like a lot of great actors, Bart was into charity work. He became the spokesbear for uh, Vital Ground, which um, procures threatened wildlife habitat along the Rocky Mountains. Oh. And in 1998, Bart was diagnosed with cancer. Oh. And later underwent surgery twice to remove tumors from his right paw. Hmm. Cancer returned, taking away his strength and appetite. Because of this, he was euthanized on May 10th, 2000, oh. at the age of 23. Hmm. Doug and Lynn had Bart buried at their ranch in Heber City. Oh, wow. And it's actually, you can visit it. People can visit it. Oh, that's cool. We might have to make a little trip. We should do it, yeah. Uh, Doug and Lynn have other bears, too, though. There is Little Bart. Hey. Little Bart was born in 2000 and has followed in the footsteps of the original Bart. Hmm. 
But this Bart has a twin sister named Honeybump. Oh, interesting. They were rescued from the wild after their mother was shot and killed in Alaska. Huh. This Bart has uh, also has quite the career. He's starring in Dr. Doolittle 2. Okay. Without a Paddle. Did you ever see that one? Yeah. Uh, I love that I'm trying to remember movie. who was in that one. Seth Green. Was that the kid guy Dax from- Dax Shepard and Matthew oh, Lillard. Okay, okay. Kind of like- I haven't seen that in years, but I remember it. Yeah, yeah, that was a good movie. And Evan Almighty, that was not a good huh. movie. I liked it. Yeah. Um, you know, I was also in Into the Wild, We Bought a Zoo, and several others. Huh. This Bart was a bit uh, smaller than the original as well. Oh, okay. Uh, Honey Bump appeared in a few things, too. But both Little Bart and Honey Bump are still alive today. Oh, right on. Now, there's a fourth bear. Doug and Lynn trained. This one is Tank the Bear. Ooh. Tank, also a big movie star in his own right, was born in 1995. He's a bit smaller. He's a kind of a native grizzly, around 800 pounds. Uh, I think, yeah, I think he's a Rocky Mountain grizzly. But okay. he appeared in many films as well. And I saw him appear on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Oh, yeah. Which was pretty funny. I watched a little bit of that. Nice. Uh, Tank is still alive, too. Huh. But yeah, that is the story of Bart the Bear and Friends. Right on. Cool story, though, huh? Yeah. Pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, one day we may become as famous as Bart, Dave. Oh, boy. I doubt it. Yeah, I don't think I'll get those praises from Anthony Hopkins like Bart did. <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> Unless he asked me to stand there and almost look tough, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The directors always say that just kind of almost look, do this yeah, kind just, of emotion. Just yeah. kind of almost. Well, I'm not tough, but I can actually maybe look like it for a second or two. <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, let's go to our next celebrity animal. Okay. This next one will. Yeah, okay, yeah. This next one is a little bit different. This is a lion hmm. named Marjan. Huh. This is an interesting one. It was one I found late in my research. But uh, Marjan was born in West Germany in 1976. He was then sent as a gift to the Kabul Zoo in Afghanistan. Oh. That's a trade down, I'd say. <laughs> but in the 60s and 70s, the Kabul Zoo was a big attraction but Afghanistan went through a lot during Marjan's life there. Oh. Marjan witnessed um, turbulent history from the communism coup, the Soviet occupation, the different warlords, uh, and the Taliban regime. He went through a lot. And during the 1990s civil war, the Cabal Zoo was shelled multiple times, even destroying the zoo's medical supply. Wow. Yeah, so it... Not why, a, why the zoo? It happens. People, you know, more time, they don't, they don't care. And then in March 1995, a soldier snuck into his enclosure. We know that this always goes well, you know, when a stupid person <laughs> wants to jump into a dangerous animal's enclosure. I mean, we did a whole episode about it and how everyone it always turns out fine. You know, it's, it's fine to, to just hop into a zoo enclosure. Sure. Yeah. No, it, it is never a good idea. Uh, a soldier wanted to show off his bravery to the, his buddies, the other soldiers. <laughs> Marjan was in there with a lioness, so the man went and touched the lioness, and then Marjan attacked and killed the soldier. <laughs> you know, kind of what you would expect to happen. Yeah, Brave equals stupid in that, yes, in that for situation. Sure. And you know they were probably just drunk and like, hey guys, I bet I can touch the lion. <laughs> well, um... Well, he wasn't lying. <laughs> oh, he did. 
Oh, your puns, dude. <laughs> All right. So then the following day, that soldier's brother threw a hand grenade into Marjan's oh. den. Oh, my goodness. One source said a hand grenade. Another source said three hand grenades. Jeez. Uh, these hand grenades seriously injured Marjan a lot, rendering him blind, deaf, Ooh. and permanently disabled. Ooh. He even lost all of his teeth. Jeez. Obviously, couldn't be fed regular meat. They had to do something else. Uh, what, I, don't what I, don't, I don't know what they did. This could this could turn out uh, to make him look pretty darn tough if he swallowed the grenade. That's how he lost the teeth. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Only took out my teeth. <laughs> yeah, but think, all, all of this, just because some jackass wanted to look cool. Oh, man. This incident sparked outrage with animal rights activists all over the world. Not just animal rights, everybody all over the world. And his story began being broadcasted. The man who threw the grenade was violently attacked a week later and murdered. Wow. For what he did, yeah. Street justice. Street justice, yeah. (laughs) So, with the arrival of the U.S.-led coalition in 2001, the conditions of the zoo were picked up as well and broadcasted. As news spread, Marjan became instantly famous. Hmm. Because... uh, well, he, he became a symbol of survival and a desire for peace by the Af- That's how the Afghans thought of him now. Oh, okay. But yeah, he survived all of this. He survived being blown up by grenades. Gee. Organizations and other zoos sent money and medical supplies to help the zoo. They even sent personnel. And despite all... Well, Marjan lived through all this. That happened in 95. He lived another six years. Oh, okay. Seven years, actually. Wow. But despite all this, Marjan succumbed to his old age and injuries and died in January 2002. Hmm. Marjan was about 23 years old. Is that Which is... Yeah, in the wild, like 13 is oh, old. Wow. So he definitely lived a lot longer. Gee. And there were several funeral ceremonies held for him worldwide. Uh, he's been mentioned in novels and plays as well. But yeah, I found this story late in my research, and they're pretty cool, huh? Yeah. It was really interesting. Yeah. All right. Our next celebrity animal is another famous actor animal. Ooh. I'm t- one of you, I'm sure you've at least heard the name. I'm talking about Rin Tin Tin. Yeah. For this story, though, Dave, we actually need to do something. We need to do a little bit of traveling. Oh, okay. Oh, and since all the most of the airports are closed and we can't leave the country, we're <laughs> gonna need a different, uh, different machine. Yeah. To travel, so well, we gotta go back in time anyway. So let's use our time machine. Some time, somewhere. All right, let's go to a World War One battle in San Miguel. Ooh. Now I want to. I just want to point this out to everybody. Okay, it's it's. It looks like Saint My Hill, but I actually looked and I actually got the correct pronunciation for this. Oh. Send me hill. So nice. Don't give me shit all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a uh, French village. After the battle, uh, Corporal Lee Duncan, he's an aerial gunner for the U.S. Army Air Service. He had been sent to the village, uh, the air, and the area had been bombed heavily, right? Mm-hmm. While exploring, Lee found a severely damaged kennel in which was a mother German shepherd with five puppies. Wow. 
and the eyes of the puppies were still closed. So these are puppies Gee. are super young, and I, I'm pretty sure that the, they were the owned by the Germans. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Lee rescued the dogs and brought them to his unit. He gave the mother to an officer and gave away three puppies while he kept two, a male and a female. Hmm. He named the male Rintin Tin and the female Nanette. And this was in honor of a pair of French dolls, which represented good luck. These were dolls that the French children would give the U.S. soldiers for luck. Before the war, Lee Duncan planned on breeding and training dogs, and he loved the German Shepherd breed. And at the end of the war in 1919, he brought the dogs back to America. And while he was in Long Island, he left them in temporary custody for a police dog breeder. But Nanette was diagnosed with pneumonia, and Ooh. she soon died. Oh. However, as a replacement, the uh, police dog breeder uh, gave Lee another female, which he named Nanette Two. <laughs> <laughs> He then took the dogs to Los Angeles, and he decided to teach them various tricks and had the idea they they were so talented they could win awards, especially Rin Tin Tin. Hmm. At the first performance, Rin Tin Tin did not win any awards, and when returning home, a bundle of newspapers fell from a truck and onto his front paw and broke it. Oh. So after nine months of healing, Rin Tin Tin returned to do some dog shows. And at one, he made a winning leap of 11 feet, nine inches. Wow. That's impressive, yeah. to say the least. And the leap, the leap was caught on camera as well. Oh, wow. And after this, Lee Duncan thought Rin Tin Tin could become a, a successful in acting in films. Then in 1922, this is still the time of um, silent films. This is the silent okay. film era in 1922. Uh, Lee happened to be at the right place at the right time. He was at the Warner Bros. Film Studios uh, trying to, when they were trying to shoot a scene with an uncooperative wolf. Huh. Lee took the opportunity and suggested replacing the wolf with his dog. As a result, Rin Tin Tin starred in the film The Man from Hell's River, which was a great success, and Rin Tin Tin gained considerable fame from this one alone. Right on. His acting career really took off after this, and he earned major profits for Warner Brothers, and they really loved him. His star debut was in 1923 with Where the North Begins, Hmm. a famous movie, where he played himself, too. Oh. Uh, he became super famous after this, starring in many, many films and advertisements. Uh, he even received the key to the city in New York City. Wow. <laughs> Lee Duncan, was uh, he wasn't out for fame and money, uh, and he perceived Rin Tin Tin to be his best friend. His wife even divorced him, arguing he loved the dog more than her. <laughs> <laughs> but... Like all great actors, Rin Tin Tin died in 1932. Oh. His death re- uh, resonated with the entire nation. But also like great actors, Rin Tin Tin was getting lots of tail. <laughs> like that? Nice. He was getting lots of tail, and he helped birth 48 puppies. Wow. Most were to Nanette. 
two. Nanette two, not the okay. sister. Uh, Lee Duncan kept two puppies, naming them Rintintin two and Rintintin three. <laughs> Very Just, creative naming. Here you we could go. have done a George Foreman and gone all the way to 42, right? <laughs> uh, both of which also became actors. And then in World War II, Lee Duncan trained and evaluated war dogs for the U.S. Army. Oh, wow. Even after his death, Rin Tin Tin lived on in works and stories. He is also responsible for um, greatly increasing the popularity of German Shepherds as to Americans okay. as pets. And German Shepherds are really cool dogs. Too. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. They're smart. There was a TV show called The Adventures of Rin Tin Tin that ran from... 1954 to 1959, which starred Rin Tin Tin 4. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and uh, it was a big hit. So there is a Rin Tin Tin bloodline, and these dogs are highly sought after, I'll as bet. you can imagine. But uh, actually, most are trained as service dogs or police dogs. Oh, okay. But some of them still become actors as well. Right on. And then um, Lee Duncan, will end on him, he died in 1960. And also that year, Rin Tin Tin was honored with a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Wow. So that's kind of, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, that's neat. You like that story, Dave? Yeah. I, re I really like that one too. It was yeah. Neat. Have you ever seen any of the movies? Um, the, well, Rin Tin Tin or the, or the TV show? No, you know, I haven't. Yeah. I think I, I watched a clip or two on something when I was doing research. Yeah. I've seen trailer for the, the movie that came out, but I haven't, I never did watch any of them. Mm. I'm sure they'll make a remake sometime soon. Yeah, another one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But let's move to our next celebrity animal. This one is also a dog. But a totally different type of dog. This celebrity is a chihuahua. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, the name of this chihuahua is Gidget. Huh. Or probably better known as the Taco Bell dog. <laughs> it's got such a great voice. Well, I... it's actually it's actually a she. She's got such a wow. It's a husky voice. <laughs> no pun intended, but yeah. But the uh, the Chihuahua breed is commonly associated with Mexico, so why not have it for the fast food? It was also commonly associated with Mexican food. Yeah. <laughs> Gidget was born February 1994. Like I said, she is a female. But then in 1997, there was the Burger Wars. Oh, okay. <laughs> where several fast food chains were engaged in large advertising campaigns against each other. Yeah. You know? uh, so, all, yeah, all the big chains, I'm pretty sure, were in it. Yeah. Taco Bell brought in the big dog. Well, not, <laughs> not a very big. In fact, smaller than a football. I'm not a huge fan of small dogs. Yeah. Are you? No. They're just, they're, they're just yappy. Most of them are, yeah. They're just yappy. And yeah. you, you know, if you want, you could always just you know, pick it up and punt one like a football. Ugh. I'm not condoning the punting of yapper dogs, Dave. I'm just <laughs> saying you could do it. <laughs> yeah, I guess you could. <laughs> you could always threaten it. <laughs> threaten it. I'm going to punt you. That's Maybe what the dogs always do. You know, It's like, I'm going to bite you, but it never does. <laughs> Uh, but Gidget appeared in multiple commercials, and of course, the famous catchphrase, Yo quiero Taco Bell. Yes. Uh, do you know what that means? I love Taco Bell. I love, I want Taco Bell, something like that. But yeah, super famous catchphrase in the 90s, right? Yeah. You remember it. And Gidget grew very popular, and there were toy figures made of, of her. Other catchphrases were, uh, drop the chalupa. 
<laughs> Viva Gorditas. Uh, yeah, you remember the Taco Bell and yeah. everything. It was pretty, yeah. pretty big deal back then. Oh yeah. Uh, Gidget didn't do the voice herself, obviously, <laughs> but a Darn. a voice of our actor named Carlos Alas Rocky, maybe huh. he he did the voice. Um, but some Latin Americans accuse the dog of being a cultural stereotype. Which is true. <laughs> well, it could be, but yet uh, that's where they're from, right? Well, yeah, but they're they, the Chihuahua. Yeah, but whenever, okay, so that's the, the name even comes from there. Yeah, but in the commercials, they, they had the dog wearing banditos and sombreros, and just and also even like wearing a revolutionary beret. And uh, some of some of this was deemed offensive to these people, Dave. Aww. Was it? That's too bad. I'm not here to say, but it was definitely stereotyped. <laughs> Uh, some called for a boycott of Taco Bell if the company did not end the ad campaign. Yeah, so they were doing that stuff way back in the 90s. Uh, in 2000, Taco Bell did end the campaign. Uh, it was ended either from lobbying to end it or from a decline in sales at the time. Or, and they just wanted to mix things up and change it up. Uh, I'll bet the lobbying came from actually came from uh, one of the burger joints noticing that they're losing sales. Man. Hey, uh, stereotype, you can't uh, do that race, anymore. Because yeah. they're probably winning. Look how many people went to it. Well, people loved it. I, it's a hard. It's it's a hard. I see it as a hard argument of saying, hey, you're stereotyping when everyone loves something. Like, it's not a derogatory. I, Dave, if I everyone loves it. <laughs> I don't you say it. everyone, but apparently not everyone. Uh, I guess not everyone. <laughs> I say majority. <laughs> in uh, later years, Gidget was used in a 2002 Geico commercial. Oh. And in the in 2003, she appeared in the movie Legally Blonde 2. <laughs> nice. Uh, she kind of Gidget's career kind of faded after that. Uh, Gidget is dead. She died in 2009 uh. after a stroke, and then she was euthanized. She was cremated, and now with every crunch rep, they put a little speck of Gidget in there. Oh really? That's so sweet. <laughs> no, that is not true. There is no cream cremated dog that was in your the secret crunch ingredient. Wrap. It's like, man, these taste delicious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there is not a little bit of gidget in your crunch wrap, I promise. <laughs> There's not enough of her to go around anyway. It's pretty small. But yes, that is the Taco Bell dog. Nice. I thought it would be a silly one to put in there. Yeah. Not too bad it didn't it wasn't the star in uh, Beverly Hills Chihuahua. No, I don't think it was. <laughs> That's too there bad. was another Chihuahua, uh, I guess. Yeah, going off, yeah, just uh, reaping the the marketing of, <laughs> of Taco the Chihuahua, Bell. Yeah. All right, so Dave, I know you have a story for us. Yeah. So why don't you share it? Okay. Well, you know how I love, uh, you know, World War One, World War Two. Yeah, we both. Do. So I'm gonna. F I found another famous story of another famous animal from there. This is the story of Siwash. The duck. Siwash the duck? I've yeah. never heard of this one. Yeah. Apparently, Siwash actually is, is uh, a, a name for a, a Native American tribe in, in uh, Washington, okay. state of Washington area. But apparently, it's, it's derogatory now, so they don't use it anymore. Mm -hmm. But at the time, they named it Siwash the, the duck. He was named after one of the uh, one of the Marines in the, in the uh, troop he was with. So oh, anyway, okay. yeah. So what happened was that there were some Marines down in New Zealand. Um, getting scheduled, you know, during World War II, they're going to fight the Japanese. Um, it says, uh, it says um, this the the soldier that took him won one Siwash in a raffle. Uh, this is Sergeant Francis Pappy Fagan who won her in a raffle. Sergeant what? Sar <laughs> Sergeant Francis Pappy Fagan. Pappy Fagan. Yeah, that's a good name. Yo, Pappy. 
But uh, yeah, they say uh, he he won the duck in a raffle, which uh, I don't really believe. Marines are risk takers. It had to have been poker or something, you know? <laughs> it was a raffle. We weren't gambling. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, it's a raffle officer, so I got it legally. You know? No, it was probably, it was most likely gambling was when they got it. Okay. At a tavern in New Zealand. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know that the taverns do raffles, you know? Yeah, they give away ducks. Everyone, everyone put in the ticket, you know? As, no, I doubt it. So anyway, and I, Siwash was a, a New Zealand duck. And I tried to look that up because I've never seen New Zealand ducks. I don't know what they are, but apparently mallard is is one of the most common ducks in New Zealand. So it's probably it's possibly mallard? a mallard. Yeah. Oh well, we got those here. So. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, Siwash would accompany uh, Sergeant Fa- or Pappy everywhere he'd go. You know, so they and they were Marines, so they're landing. So um, also the the they love to feed Siwash beer. And it of liked course. it. And they're like, oh, it only likes it the New Zealand way. It had to have it warm. And it didn't like warm? any of those uh, draft beers or anything. It had to be the New Zealand. You know? So Weird. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Yeah, it's from Whenever New Zealand. you get a group of uh, a group of dudes together <laughs> with an animal, they're gonna eventually feed that animal beer. Yeah. It's a guarantee. Yeah. Hey, drink with us. Yeah. That's how it is. So anyway, they decided they they would say the bravery of the of the duck was much admired by the Marines because uh, the duck would jump in a foxhole the minute the Marines leapt into one. Okay. <laughs> Very interesting, huh? <laughs> yeah. It's like let's all go into the foxhole. Oh, me too. <laughs> Here comes the duck. But uh, anyway, um, they they then they said, well, we value the duck too much to eat him. So and they're like, besides, we don't have any orange slices to serve with them anyway. So <laughs> it was funny. So anyway, um, um, he was he was a uh, Siwash. Uh, we say he, but uh, they actually found out uh, Siwash was a female. A, she, yeah, because <laughs> well, she she laid an egg one day. <laughs> so it was like, it, it couldn't have been a mallard then, because you could tell. Uh, mal- yeah, mallard had the other one. Yeah, I guess she could. I, it it doesn't say. All right, it doesn't um, matter. It really doesn't say. So I'm not sure. I bet it, it was a, it was a New Zealand duck. Yeah. All right. They do have some a very a dark duck, like it's almost black, hmm. and maybe that's the kind of New Zealand maybe. duck it was. I really don't know. I was trying to figure it out, but it, there just wasn't enough info info on it. Um. Anyway. Uh, oh, sorry, I lost my place. Okay, so during one of the battles in the Battle of Tarawa, um, this is where they say Siwash really proved. Stuff so they took marine. it on the ship, right? Oh yeah, they took it on the <laughs> ship and it landed with them. Yeah. So anyway, they went. The marines stormed the beach and the duck came off too. And the moment its webbed feet feet hit the sand, it was looking for trouble, and it found a Japanese chicken to go and tangle <laughs> with. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. So and the story goes, uh, uh, Siwash took a few hard knocks to the noggin, but uh, kept fighting. Uh, until she defeated the enemy foul. <laughs> I didn't even remember that one. <laughs> so that, I just picture a duck and a chicken going, at, like, and then I picture the Japanese soldiers and the American soldiers like ganging up, like, which one? And then they stop <laughs> and wait for them to go, yeah, yeah. The war is on the line with this fight. Yeah, it's a David and Goliath. <laughs> That's funny. So yeah, anyway, so and they said they said um, Fagan told uh, the. The paper, American Press in 44, the rooster didn't stand a chance. <laughs> so anyway, after the battle, the talk of it spread, and they ended up giving Siwash a purple heart. During so, <laughs> defeating the rooster? Yeah, well, it got injured, yeah. Oh, okay. So it got a purple heart. So 
Um, here's the citation that was given. For courageous action and wounds received on Tarawa in the Gilbert Islands, November 1943, with utter disregard for his own personal safety. Notice how they keep saying he. Well, just that was probably to avoid yeah. the draft you know, or to, to make sure he could be enlisted because, you know, <laughs> she ducks aren't allowed. <laughs> anyway. With utter disregard for his own personal safety, Siwash, upon reaching the beach, without hesitation engaged the enemy in fierce combat, namely one rooster of Japanese ancestry. (laughs) (laughs) And though wounded uh, on the head by repeated pecks, he soon routed the opposition. He refused medical aid until all wounded members of his section had been taken care of. (laughs) That's good. That's funny. So anyway, that wasn't even the last one. So uh, she went with them for two more Pacific operations, the Battle of Saipan, the Battle of of Tinian. Um, During Tinian, she kept, or I'm sorry, during Saipan, she stayed on the boat. But then at Tinian, oh, I said, no, yeah, at Tinian, they hit the beach again. Um, and it says, and it captured a tiny Japanese duck. <laughs> That's funny. So anyway, then that year, that same year, uh, Sergeant Siwash returned to the United States with Pappy. It was given a hero's welcome, uh, which included two radio broadcasts and all the beer that it pleased. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, after all that, uh, they went off on a tour uh, to promote, you know, war bonds and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And so Siwash and Pappy were... We're just going around, uh, you know, gaining money, right, you know, right. gaining more money for him. So it was good. Anyway, um, in 1954, she died of liver problems. They like to say it wasn't because of the beer, but eh, you know, <laughs> liver problems, <laughs> dying from alcoholism. That's yeah. funny. <laughs> so anyway, but anyway, she was stuffed and presented to the National Museum of the Marine Corps in in Triangle, Virginia. Um, so that was pretty good. That's a great story. Yeah. It said decades later, 1980, uh, Fagan and her pappy would finally uh, confess at a retirement party that, uh, you know, the duck wasn't actually as brave as they let on. You know, actually, the chicken chased the hell out of her. He admitted, uh, <laughs> he admitted that the chicken won. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, he was smart enough to know that uh, he shouldn't let the truth get in the way of a good story because, uh, you know, Siwash was no chicken. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I, I couldn't picture a duck beating a chicken. No. Well, it was a rooster. rooster. So, yeah. They, they, they had a tally. Their talons was really so, good of Yeah. Yeah. Fake it. Why not? <laughs> yeah. That's a great story, though. I could just, yeah. I just picturing a duck and a rooster on a beach, <laughs> like just staring each other down. John Tumbleweed, yeah. tumbleweed rolls through. <laughs> nice, yeah. <laughs> That's what I was picturing. Nice, yeah. Oh, great story, Dave. I've never heard that one before. Thanks, yeah. I'm surprised I couldn't find that. I'm glad you did, though. Huh. All right. Um, I got two more for us. Okay. Uh, this next one I have is pretty cool. Uh, let's go to 1994 and meet a Merino sheep named Shrek. Ooh. Uh, Shrek was born near Taras, New Zealand. So oh, another New Zealand. One, hey. uh, so it, it's pretty much like your typical white sheep, what you'd think of. Okay. Uh, well, in 1998, Shrek decided to leave the Bendigo station where he lived and more or less lived off the land in, in the wild. Just kind of escaped and oh. nobody cared about it and just lived off of the wild. And he did this for six years. Hmm. Even in uh, in the winter, with little food, he would sur- he survived. Then, in 2004, he was found hiding in a rock cave, and when he uh, when he was he was discovered by a ranch team looking for sheep. When discovered, the workers couldn't believe the sight of him because he had not been sheared in six years. <laughs> 
He had six years of wool on him. Wow. And I, I saw a picture, and I plan on posting it. But he literally looks like a giant cotton ball with uh, with uh, with four legs and a, a nose sticking out of it. <laughs> that is funny. what he looks like. That's funny. <laughs> it almost completely covers his face. It's Yeah, it's a super funny. I, I will post a picture of it. Uh, normally for these sheep, they get sheared annually, but not Shrek. <laughs> Shrek was a uh, big softy, literally, and how he interacted with people. He he really liked people. Oh, right on. He, he he was really good with children and would go uh, to elderly homes and visit people. Oh, right on. In but actually in New Zealand, sheep outnumber people like ten to one. Oh wow! <laughs> uh, and then after his discovery, he became a major celebrity in the country. <laughs> he was even taken to the parliament to meet the prime minister and became a national icon. Nice. So a few days after they found him, <clears throat> they planned on shearing him on live television. <laughs> it took a professional shearer 20 minutes to cut 60 pounds of wool from his body. Wow. That's a lot. <laughs> the average for a sheep a year is right around 10 pounds. So, you know, times six, 60 pounds. But he was like, glad I got that off my chest. (laughs) Uh, The wool and fleece from Shrek was enough to make 20 suits for men. (laughs) Nice. I hope they did. (laughs) I'm not certain, but do you, Dave, do you know, is fleece the same as wool? Uh, yeah, it should be. Is it the exact same I, thing? I I don't know, but I, I tried think looking so. it up, but I, I, I didn't. It's find just it. a different. Uh, it's the coarseness. I yeah, think. I think that's. I think you're right with the coarseness. We'll go with that. Yeah. Hopefully that's right. We don't sound like <laughs> complete idiots like, all the time. But uh, all of the wool was auctioned off for children's medical charities, and after the event, Shrek became a hero, and he raised one hundred and fifty thousand dollars for kids. Hey. Sadly, he was euthanized in 2011. Oh. He was about 17 years old. Wow, how's that for a sheep? Is that good? I don't know. Mm. Probably. I assumed it would be. Um, so Shrek got his name from the children's book named Shrek, which is also the basis for the movie Shrek. Oh, really? So there was actually a children's book before the movie, and then somebody named this um, sheep Shrek, and then there was the movie. Oh, interesting! So I didn't, I didn't know. I thought it was just a movie on its own, but it was a Shrek was a children's story before. Interesting. Hey, they should have dyed its uh, wool orange before they shaved it. Or you mean green? No orange, because then they could be head move. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for Michael Myers on. Uh, wow, what movie was that? Oh darn! Remember, I, he's, he did the he did the same accent he uses for Shrek, but he, his kid had a big. Orange Afro in the movie. What movie was that? I don't, no, I'm, I don't know, but I'm you did have blank. a good Mike Myers accent <laughs> right there. It's like, yeah, I can't remember what that was now, but yeah, okay. it's that was one of his famous things. He just make fun of the the kid's hair the whole time. I don't remember because it was huge, movie. like like the wool would have been on the on Shrek. Right. Anyway, <laughs> okay, uh, I got one last celebrity animal for us to talk about. Okay. Uh, it's, uh, it's a it's a very famous one as well. well we're going to talk about an orca. Okay. We're gonna. Uh, this orca was the star of Free Willy, and this orca is named Keiko. Hmm. That's how you pronounce it, Keiko. Okay. It looks like Kiko, but it's Keiko. Oh, okay. It's how they pronounced it on the show I watched about him. Okay. And we recently did a three part series on orcas, which I really enjoyed. 
Yeah. Uh, I said we would cover Keiko's story here, so it's it's that time. Nice. Let's get it started. Keiko was born around 1976 and lived in the waters around Iceland. He was captured in, ni- in 1979 and sold to an Icelandic aquarium. That sounds like, because I, I think you covered that at that time. Um, they were they capturing were, a bunch. They were capturing yeah, a bunch in, in Iceland yeah. and in the Pacific. This was the time period. It was only, it was only, I can't remember the time, how many years there was, but it was the late 70s, uh, early 80s that yeah. they were doing this. Yeah, if you want to learn more about cat, uh, orcas being captured, go back and check our orca series out. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Keiko, yeah, he was sent to an Icelandic aquarium, and he, he was actually originally named Siggy. Oh, interesting. Uh, and then later, Kago. Or Kago, K-A-G-O. Huh. All right, so in 1982, he was then sold to Marineland in Niagara Falls, Canada. Hmm. Uh, at this facility, he began performing for people for the, for, for the first time, but his health was not very good, and he developed skin lesions and was actually bullied by the other orcas. Oh. They are picking on him. Then in 1985, he was sold to... A uh, amusement park in Mexico City. Oh, yeah, that's a go from Iceland to uh, Niagara Falls down to Mexico City. Yeah. Well, it was here he was given the name Keiko, which is actually Japanese for lucky one. Interesting. And he was only ten feet at the time he moved. He moved to Mexico, and he lived in Mexico for many years. And kept growing, even though this is kind of a run-down amusement park. Oh. I mean, I, I think of a picture... I, I just can't picture a really nice amusement park in Mexico City. Yeah, especially like in not this, even by the especially ocean. Especially in the 80s, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's not by the ocean. But it was um, here that he was discovered by movie scouts. And oh. he was selected to play Willy in the Free Willy film in 1993. I mean, we talked all about the film in our Orca coverage a while uh, back, but it really is a good movie, and it was a really big hit with audiences. It was kind of a sleeper hit, and Keiko became quite famous after the movie and even starred in the sequels. But yeah, very famous yeah. back then. You you were oh, more yeah. in this time frame than it. me. Yeah. How, how old were you in 93? In 93, I was, gosh, let me think now, 16, I think. Yeah. Really? That's about 16, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was oh. born a year after uh, Keiko. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, you remember Free Willy, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the uh, publicity from his role in the film led to an effort to actually uh, find him a better home and his tank and, uh, or the, find him a better home, and then they wanted to release him in the wild. And so his, his tank in Mexico was really. I was going to say, that would be ironic if. <laughs> If they have a film, the movie about uh, um, uh, a quor- or not a quarantine as as uh, an encaged uh, killer whale um, getting free, and then they're like, "Oh, back to your cage, uh, killer whale!" You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? No. Okay, Keiko was in zoos or exhibits, right? Uh, so it was it was encaged, and that's what the movie was all about. There's this killer whale, okay, in, yeah. a, in a cage in a, in a zoo or exhibit. And the kid freezer, yeah, yeah, gets her free. Well, and so then uh, it films this saying, "Yeah, yeah this is films, great. You films should, are going you free, and then oh, back in the cage with you." Yeah, yeah. Okay, I get it. 
All right. So after the movie and everything, donations from Warner Brothers, a, a rich guy named Craig McCaw. He was a wealthy businessman in the cell phone industry. Ooh, which was probably, <laughs> yeah, that one took off after that. Yeah. Holy moly. And uh, others um, and other people, they established the Free Willy Keiko Foundation in 1995. So with the donations, the Oregon Coast Aquarium in Newport, Oregon, was given um, $7 million to construct a brand new tank for Keiko. Wow. In hope for that they can return him back to the wild eventually. Hmm. So this is the part of the story I really wanted to actually cover. Okay. Since... In the movie Free Willy, yeah, since in the movie Free Willy, he became free, people wanted to see this happen in real life. Okay. Many scientists said he wasn't the best candidate for this since he had lived his whole life in captivity, but at the same time, he was really the only candidate because he was the only whale that people knew. Oh. So he was transported by air in a big ass plane donated by UPS. They put a 30 foot long tank in the plane to transport him from Mexico to Oregon. Wow. That must have been a heavy, heavy cargo. That's pretty interesting how they could do a, do a 30 foot long tank there. Yeah. All right. So he arrived in Oregon in 1996. uh, And he's in his new tank, which now has 2 million gallons of water, uh, concrete enclosure. He became healthier and gained, started gaining some more weight. Oh. He ended up weighing around 9,600 pounds. Wow. It's a big-ass orca. Yeah. Uh, the somewhat controversial process of preparing Keiko to be the first ever orca sent back in the wild began in September of 1998. Hmm. There was plenty of money to make this work. Uh, the main problem was Keiko had to become wild again. When he was in Mexico, he could only hold his breath for like two minutes. Wow. Yeah. Cause he, his tank was really short and he was not large at all. Huh. So they had to teach him that to hold his breath longer. They had to teach him to swim more. And he, he also had one of the, Oh no, I can't think of the name. What do they call the dorsal? Fin oh, on top? I know what you're talking Concaved. about. Concaved. Uh, no. Okay, I don't I know. I can't remember the term for it. I don't it. know what it's called. But yeah, he had that. Uh and they so they had to, they also needed to teach him how to hunt. Oh. Uh no easy task for an orca that had been hand-fed in his entire yeah. life. Scientists were c- convinced though that they could make they could make this work and he would survive in the wild. Huh. So they took him to his original home back in Iceland. Wow. So he's done some world traveling. No, he's seen more of it than I have. (laughs) Uh, Once there, his day-to-day care became the responsibility of the Free Willy Keiko Foundation with a staff of right around 20 people. Okay. He was initially housed in a pen where he underwent training for his release, including supervised swims in the open ocean. Hmm. So that's like the first time he's been in the open ocean since he was born or like a couple years after he was born. His best chance of survival was to find other wild orcas to be with. They took him out to close proximity to other orcas and naturally Keiko was very curious. He hadn't heard wild orcas in 20 years, 
But he, he was still, you know, think about it. Put yourself in his place. He was still a very confused animal okay. and highly dependent on people. Hmm. And it was costing about $3 million a year to maintain Keiko. Wow. And after the first year, he was still as dependent on people as, as ever. Oh. Then in early 2002, funding started drying up. Uh-oh. The Humane Society took over with a much smaller budget. And what they uh, did is they made a tough love protocol. Oh. We mentioned this with another orca on our orca episodes. This is where they purposely ignore Keiko in an attempt to make him more wild. And he was, he ended up being fully free by the summer of 2000. Okay. They might've rushed it. They think that looking back, they think that they rushed it. Uh, but they kind of, they're running out of money, so running out of resources, so they kind of had to do it. Do it or don't do it, you know? Yeah. And people really wanted this to happen. They, they did put a tracker, uh, on it, just, you know, attached to his dorsal fin so they could keep track of him. And about a month into being free, Keiko was with a wild pod, and it looked like things were going well. But this didn't last long. Keiko Mm. showed up off the coast of Norway, not with orcas, but by himself looking for people. Oh. He found people, and the locals enjoyed having him around, you know. He would play with the the boats and even swim with people. There's oh, wow. videos of people, go, of children going on his back. Oh, my goodness. This is, for all they know, this is a wild orca, but still wow. it's a orca. You know, you don't want, <laughs> I don't want children to be on his back. Wow. But... Obviously, this isn't good for his reintroduction into the wild. Ooh. It's not going very well. His caretakers relocated to Norway. And he, he was torn between two worlds. Yeah. Um, he would sometimes approach wild orcas from a distance, but he would always come back to the okay. people. Keiko then became sick. Uh while swimming in the fjords in Norway. Then on December 12th, 2003, Keiko died from pneumonia at 27 years old. So pretty sad. Yeah. Uh, Living in the wild just didn't, it didn't work. That's too bad. Reintroduction just didn't really work. And uh, people are torn if this reintroduction was at least a little bit of a a success or not, but mostly it was not. That's too bad. They tried. You know, it does kind of sound like the best way between keeping things natural and people being able to see something like with an exhibit, you know? It has the wide open ocean, but it it can also come back and you can see it from the shore, you know, or on a boat, you know? Yeah. That's kind of nice, but that's uh, tough that it that Yeah, it it's died, sad that know? it done. Uh, the whole thing cost about $20 million wow. to do this. And since this wasn't the happy Hollywood ending people really wanted, and it's kind of hindered other attempts to free orcas. Okay. But yeah, people wanted the same ending that they got in Free Willy. Uh, they didn't get it. It kind of happened. For a little bit. It was for, free in the ocean. It was then, free. Remember, there was a second movie, which means it came back. So uh, <laughs> yeah, it came back to Norway and hung what? out with people. No. There, there was a Free Willy too. Yeah, it was in the 90s, bro. <laughs> This is 2002. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> but uh, 
Keiko lives in the hearts and minds of people. Uh, go watch Free Willy, everyone. There, and there's also plenty of videos and there's a documentary on YouTube if you want to learn more about it. But that is the story of Keiko. And Dave, that will wrap up the episode. Okay. Uh, I hope everyone enjoyed the stories of celebrity animals. I know I certainly did. I'm, I'm glad we finally got to cover it. Yeah. And there are still a lot more that we didn't cover. <laughs> so many more that we didn't cover. I thought we were going to be able to rapid fire just oh, all yeah. these, but the stories are too, you know, I want, it's too neat. Yeah. I want all this, the stories to have to be really good stories. So yeah, I wanted to tell them all the way it should be. Yeah. All right. So for our next episode, I have an idea, something I've thought about way before this pandemic coronavirus. I was thinking of an episode on infectious diseases. I've thought about this before. My original idea was an episode on the Spanish flu from 1918. Okay. Or we could go over a few different diseases in one episode, kind of like how we did this. We'll do like a 10, 15 minute segment on a, on a certain disease. Okay. We wouldn't get too scientific or anything, but uh, I, I am actually a little well, we bit. We would need to use Professor Cheeto over there. <laughs> we would. Uh, I, I mean, uh, I am a little bit somewhat knowledgeable on this subject. Uh, I wrote a bunch of uh, papers in college on the Black Death and, oh, okay. and the Spanish flu. I mean, I'm by no means an expert. And I probably got a B minus on those because I was a <laughs> B minus student in college. But it and I'm, yeah, we won't we wouldn't get too scientific. But what do you think, Dave? You think we should? Oh, yeah. You want to do that? This is the time for that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there is no better time than right now. So. <laughs> and it still fits with our theme, Force of Nature. Right? Yeah. I mean, we've, we've covered rabies, so we've covered diseases before. Yeah. Uh, I think that we might do that. Okay. That is the plan. I'm going to have research up my ass to do this one. <laughs> that's going to be a lot of research, but uh, that it, I think that's what I want to do. So that'll be the next episode. Sounds good. Yeah. If we make it that far. <laughs> Why you plan on getting sick? Maybe. I mean, don't plan on it. <laughs> well, You'd be watch. sick of doing research on yeah. sickness. But watch. By the time this episode, one of us will have it. I'm sure. Oh, just jinx us. Knock on wood. Knock on. <laughs> All right. So, Dave, we have a couple shout-outs to give. Oh. But not just regular shout-outs. <gasps> I'm talking super shout-outs. I don't know why I said it like that. Because that's, <laughs> that's what we say in the clip. It'll echo. Super shout-outs. You can edit. Edit that freely. First, we want to thank Janelle. Janelle! From Clearfield here in Utah. She gave us a nice donation, so thank you so much. Thank you. And also, uh, we want to thank Dana Botcher. Dana Botcher. Your wife, my sister, (laughs) and sometimes guest host. She sent me money for my birthday last week and said it's a donation. So (laughs) I guess we got to count it. (laughs) Uh, All right. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, sure. (laughs) All right. So, Dave, if uh, anybody else wants to help us out. What could they do for us? Go to iTunes, Apple Podcast, wherever you listen to. Subscribe, rate, review, give us five stars. Say something you like, you know. It helps, really helps build tension, gain more listenership. If you want to become an even better celebrity of the show, you can donate using PayPal or Venmo. Very good, Dave. You can donate on PayPal. You can find us by our email, forceofnaturepod at gmail.com, or on Venmo, my personal account, Matthew-Hamilton-51, and all that info is on the description below. I mean, I feel a little bad asking for money at this time. 
Oh. But, I mean, apparently we're all going to get some money sent to us. So. Yeah, and uh, for next week it goes into uh, research for these things. Yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> and, yeah, we might be getting $1,000 soon, so, hey, you know, just <laughs> throw in a few here. There you go, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but to all the listeners, feel free to contact us if you ever want to. Tell us a cool animal or coronavirus <laughs> <laughs> story if you of you or someone you know, uh, or if you just want to suggest an episode idea, uh, want to ask a question, or say hi. Please feel free. You can email us or message us on Facebook. And also help us grow like a like a virus. Yeah. <laughs> Of a spread, recommending us to family and friends. Tell them we are on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. Google, we're on all the platforms we need to be. Now, Dave, do you have anything to add? No, I'm good. All right, well, Pro- Professor Cheetor, how about you? you doing okay? <coughs> oh, yes, gentlemen, doing <coughs> splendid over here. Thank you for having me on your show again. <coughs> okay, oh, well. Oh, let's evacuate. Come well, on. We might not be here for next week. Uh, <laughs> this is Force of Nature Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Tell your friends, be a part of building us up, and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.